FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in beautiful Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Stone, I'm not sure we learned a whole lot about who these football teams are last week. And they say that you improve between your first and second game more than a team improves all season. Is that really true or is that just hyperbole? I think it's true for the sport of football, right? Week two means a lot more. It's hard to grade week one, right? A lot of these teams teams traveling around the country trying to get that bag. So I think a lot of it holds true. Well, let's just get right to the games from last week. Number one, South Dakota State, 45, Western Oregon, 7. Stone, the Jackrabbits had two pick sixes and did everything they wanted to do on offense in the season opening blowout of Western Oregon. Jacks played a lot of guys, and they look like a scary, deep football team. Fans held their breath when QB Mark Gronowski leaped into the end zone, got helicoptered by three guys. He was fine, and it was a touchdown. But Stone, I think that old quote from the movie Major League is quite fitting here. Nice play, Gronowski. Don't ever freaking do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I think everybody was collectively holding their breath. Kev, I think this game speaks to your point that you made earlier in the show, right? How you don't really gather a lot from week one games. I think this one against Western Oregon, not much to gather. They kept this thing on the ground and a lot of these star players did what they do best and that's just enforce their will and be bigger and better, stronger and faster than Western Oregon. You look at Mark Gronowski, only 10 attempts through the air. I didn't even need him and they handed the ball off to I think 12 different backs and all of the backup quarterbacks got involved, each of them with an attempt. So I think South Dakota State, not much learned here, but good to see them clicking on all cylinders. Number two, Montana State's 63, Utah Tech, 20. True freshman running back Scott Ray Humphrey carried the ball for 114 yards and three touchdowns in his first ever college game. I don't care who it was against, that's impressive. And the Bobcats rolled up 638 total yards as they destroyed Utah Tech. Sets up a huge game between the team we just talked about, number one, South Dakota State, and number two, Montana State in Brookings this week. Game of the year, week two. Stone Lebanowitz and I will be there. I mean, I'm so freaking excited, Kevin. This is the game of the year. Everybody asking, you know, what does this game mean for both teams? I think the committee's paying attention. I think every member of that committee is going to be keeping an eye on this game, making sure that they check out every aspect and are watching with a magnifying glass. But when you look at this game against Utah Tech, I think one of the things that stands out to me is Tommy Malott, what he's able to do with his legs, right? It's no secret to anybody. We know how fast he is. Some of his teammates actually call him the fastest player on the team, but he puts it on display. He ran the ball seven times for 80 yards, didn't find pay dirt, but did through the air one time with 14 attempts and 150 yards. Tommy's good, but I I think what he does on the ground is what really gives defensive coordinators headaches. I love Montana State heading into next week. I think it's going to be a, a sick matchup. And we're going to preview that game in some depth in segment three. So y'all just hold on. Be patient a minute. We will get there. Number three, Furman, 45, Tennessee Tech, 10. Paladin defense for six turnovers, and they also had two pick sixes, just like South Dakota State did in their route over Tennessee Tech. Furman QB Tyler Huff and running backs Hicks and Roberto combined for 165 yards on the ground, and Roberto had two touchdowns. Huff added 15 completions for 172 yards and a TD. This Furman team looks good. This Furman team looks more than good. I think when you look at our top 25 poll, the outcry is, why Furman at three in front of North Dakota State? For us, it's that Furman defense. Obviously, Tyler Huff is experienced. He's a veteran on this team. He makes this team go. But defensively, they're a problem, Kev. It's not only their front seven. 
it's that secondary and those guys on the back end. They fly around. It's 11 hats on a ball. It's very cliche, but that's how Furman plays football. They're a threat going forward, but I think ultimately this team on the defensive side of the ball is one of the best in the country. You mean I don't have them there at number three just because I'm a noted lover of Furman University Stone? Everybody <laughs> knows that about me. They're my favorite. <laughs> They're your favorite team. I mean, you love yourself some Furman. Number four, North Dakota State, 35, Eastern Washington, 10. What we've been looking for from Cam Miller was there last Saturday. Bison QB Cam Miller, efficient, 18 for 24, 174 yards and two touchdowns, and his backup Cole Payton added 104 yards on the ground, including a long 70-yard touchdown run. Eight different Bison receivers caught balls with tight end Joe Stoffel getting two grabs for touchdowns. The Bison looked like the Bison at time, Stone. Mr. Cam Miller, welcome to the party. Completing 70% of your passes, coaches let him fling that thing into the sky 25 times, almost 200 yards, couple of tuds. Again, he's very similar to Tommy Mallott. He's so good with his legs, it's just another facet of the game that the opposing defensive coordinator has to worry about, right? You got a game plan for what he's able to do when he tucks and runs, but Cam Miller, he looked good through the air. I'm so excited for this kid. I think this might be the season that he gets it going with that right arm. I think number seven's a threat now heading into Saturdays through the air. And again, I think it's something that we talked about earlier on in the season that we needed to see. This was on full display in an NFL stadium against the good Eastern Washington team. I loved it from Cam. I think this North Dakota State team was playing with a sense of urgency that we wanted to see. Just no time to waste. And of course, again, saying nothing wise, but they're pretty dangerous. Number five, Idaho 42, Lamar 17. Vandal All-American wide receiver Hayden Hatton caught two touchdowns and then threw for another one as the Vandals javelin Lamar. Did you? Did y'all get that? Running backs Anthony Woods and Nick Romano along with quarterback Giovanni McCoy combined for 220 rushing yards with Woods finding pay dirt twice. McCoy had 14 completions for 164 yards and two touchdowns. A pretty complete effort from a really good Idaho Vandals football team. Yeah, this is one of those games when you're a quarterback and you just keep watching your running back Anthony Woods go all the way, right? Uh, A surmount for 100 40 yards. It's like, dude, let me get a little piece of the love. Let me get a little piece of the cake. I'm trying to find the end zone too, but McCoy did twice. Woods did twice. They had a field day against this Lamar team. I think McCoy was so efficient, right? He knows he didn't throw the ball all that much, but when he did, he made it count. Got yanked out of the game. The other kids threw the ball around a little bit. This was awesome to see from Idaho. It's a good kick start against the Lamar team. We knew they were going to beat, but to see the numbers, to see the efficiency all around, and to see McCoy spread the ball to a bunch of different receivers bodes well for them going forward. Now, we didn't prep for this, but I thought the most impressive FCS over FCS victory last Saturday was what your Salukis did in a game that you called. You were there. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was awesome stuff from the Salukis. They just put it on Austin P. Austin P. didn't even get off the bus. And I like Mike DeLillo, that quarterback. He's great. He didn't have much help around him. They're transitioning a lot of their skill players. They have so many transfers on the defensive side of the ball. But they went into that locker room down 28-0, to Austin P. did. And it was odd because when you looked at that offense, nine of the 11 were returning from last year's team. And that was a good football team last year. We even had Mike DeLillo on the show, so I was excited for that. But the Salukis, they opened up the playbook. That defense was flying around. They're popping into people's top 25. Not ours yet, but the Salukis are a problem going forward. And I know this for a fact. When that team pops up on your schedule, just like they did Northern Illinois this weekend, I think you're going to have to start paying attention. I think if the Salukis keep this game close, they'll creep into our top 25, but offensively, they're just a juggernaut. Our National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual, 
our Offensive Player of the Week, New Hampshire quarterback Max Brosmer. Last week versus Stonehill, Brosmer was 19-25, 284 yards, and five, count them, five touchdowns. Our Defensive Player of the Week is linebacker Jacob Dobbs from Holy Cross. Dobbs had 21 tackles, which is putting in some work, y'all, and two QB hurries, and the Crusaders win over Mary Mack. Congratulations again to Max Brosmer from New Hampshire and Jacob Dobbs from Holy Cross for being the Northwestern Mutual National Players of the Week. And in my hand, I hold our Week 1 FCS Nation Top 25 poll. Number 1, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Number 2, Montana State. Number 3, the Furman Paladins. Number 4, the Bison of North Dakota State. Number 5, Idaho. Number 6, the Sanford Bulldogs. Number 7, Holy Cross. Number 8, Incarnate Word. Number 9 is William and Mary. And rounding out our Top 10 is SEMO. Number 11, North Carolina Central. Number 12, Weber State. Number 13, North Dakota. Number 14, Sacramento State. And number 15, New Hampshire. Number 16 is the Montana Grizzlies. Number 17, UC Davis. 18 is Mercer. 19 is Southeastern Louisiana. Number 20 is Eastern Kentucky. Number 21 is Youngstown State. 22 is Rhode Island. Making the poll this week is at number 23, Gardner-Webb. Also cracking the poll this week, number 24, Florida A&M. And rounding out our top 25, a new number 25 is Northern Iowa. You know, Stone, one of the reasons why I put Gardner-Webb in the poll is that they went up to Appalachian State, Moon, North Carolina. The Rock is an extremely tough place to play, and they stood toe-to-toe with Appalachian State. I'm not calling App State a college football playoff, and I'm doing the quotation marks for college football playoff contender, but that's an FBS team and not a bad one. And Trey Lamb's squad went in there, and they got into a little bit of a shootout in the second half with Appalachian. They went up and down the field. They were able to run the ball, able to throw the ball. And Gardner-Webb, I was kind of suspect about them at the start of the season, which was just a week ago, right? But they showed me a lot of things on that field in Boone, North Carolina. Again, not an easy place to play. Gardner-Webb looked like a top 25 team, so they're in the top 25. It's time for us to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Hires claps for the football on play action. Looking for Smith. He's got him, and he makes a man miss. Chandler Smith in the open field has his second touchdown. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Week two is upon us, and that means the Stone Cold quarterback segment is as well. I go around the FCS, and I look for some of the best quarterbacks on some of the best teams around the country. This one was not hard for me to find, Mr. Michael Hires of the Sanford Bulldogs. Mike, thanks for giving the show some time this week. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. I always love when you join the show, and I'm big fans of the Sanford Bulldogs as well. Mike, I wanted to start with your guys' week one matchup against Shorter. It was a tight game. Came down to the wire. You guys finished that thing out 69-14. How did it feel week one knocking some of the cobwebs off and getting some of the payoff from the spring, fall camp, and all that good stuff? Man, it felt good. You know, it's always good after a long fall camp play someone without your color jersey on. It was good, like you said, just kind of get back in the groove of things. Just how it always is the first game. Just kind of work some of the kinks out, but I thought we um, played pretty well and we didn't make as many mistakes as I would have thought going into week one. Did you guys get all those questions answered that you had about each other, about your team coming off of last season? 
that you you just weren't quite sure, right? You weren't sure what the offense was going to be like, missing a few of the guys here, the defense, same thing. Did you feel like you got some of those questions answered last week? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's always different in practice. You see a guy perform in practice, especially new guys, but you just don't know how they're going to perform in games because it's so different. Those guys played really well, and a lot of those new faces are very experienced and have produced at a high level in games. So it was really good to see them produce, you know, for Sanford and in our jersey. So it was good. Uh, you know, there's a lot to improve on from week one to week two. A lot of people say that's the biggest jump. So still a lot to work on. Yeah, you guys are a hot topic. Obviously, you being the best returning quarterback in the entire subdivision in your team, obviously a top 10 team and a threat to pretty much everybody on the schedule, including Auburn. But Mike, I think FCS Nation is wondering, what's the difference between this year's team and last year's team? You know, every hey, Coach Asher always says it's so good. Every team's different. Right. Um, even though you, you have a lot of similar guys, but you also have a lot of good players that have gone. So I think we're just trying to find our identity. You know, we've still got a really good culture that we had last year that helped us win a lot of those close games. So we're just trying to build that more and more each week. Yeah, always one of my favorite questions to ask quarterbacks when I bring them on. What's your guys' team mantra this year? Trust me, Mike, I know how coaches work, right? When you showed up to summer workouts, there was a shirt in your locker. There was a shirt in everybody's locker and it had this new saying on it, this phrase that you guys are going to go by. What has coach been pumping to you guys? What's that big message this season? Man, find a way. That's kind of our motto. We, just, mm. You know, you want to be a find a way team, no matter how you get it done, just get it done. So that's kind of been our motto all summer and uh, going into the season. This one's going to be, I'll, I'll categorize this as an annoying media question, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. How much chatter and thought have you, Mike, and the rest of the squad put into that North Dakota State loss last year in the playoffs? Man, we really kind of moved on from it. You know, it was definitely just kind of frustrating. You kind of hear some things about how, you know, that's such a, because it is it's such a great confidence and they've obviously just been a dynasty at the SCS, but you know, we just, we've kind of moved on from it and not really listened to any outside noise. Cause you, you know how it is. You, you try, you really only try to pay attention to what's said in between in your locker room and in between those walls. Again, chatting with the Stanford Bulldogs signal caller, Michael hires the top returning FCS quarterback in the entire nation. Mike, I, I love this kid. I'd imagine you love him more than I do, but Chandler Smith, your number one wideout, what does he mean to this football team? Man, he's a baller. Uh, first off, that, that's obvious. You watch tape, but he's just, you know, we got such a talented receiving room and it's probably the deepest receiving room I've ever played with. Um, he's kind of, he's the leader of that room. You know, the whole team respects him, and as good of a player as he is, he's an even better person and teammate. So he's just a fun guy to be around, and when he's on the field, he's a, he's a dog. So no, fun I mean, to play with him. That's probably got to be the scariest thing. If there are other teams and coaches listening to this interview right now, Mike, that you just said it's the best wide receiver room you've had since you've been at Sanford, and you threw for over thirty five hundred yards last year, and I think three thousand touchdowns. So so pretty scary for the rest of the subdivision. But I love to hear it. I got a good question for you here. I, again, this is one of those ones that I'm I'm always interested in asking quarterbacks, right? Because you can either give me coaches talk or you can give me a peek behind the curtain and what it's like. But FCS versus FBS matchups. Now, I know I'm skipping over your guys' matchup with Western Carolina. Western Carolina's no slouch. Do not get me wrong. That's a good football team. You guys got your hands full this weekend, Saturday, September 9th, 2.30 p.m. ESPN Plus kick. But when you guys take on Auburn, you're obviously going into SEC territory. It's an Alabama matchup. That fan base is going to be ruckus. I'm sure that place is already sold out. I'm pretty sure I have seen it. It is sold out. But for FCS quarterbacks, when you're walking into a game of this magnitude, what do you tell yourself? That it is this big of a game? What an opportunity I have? What an opportunity we have? Or, or, or no, this is just another ball game on the schedule. Man, I'm not. I'm not even trying to give you coach talk, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's how you got to view it. You know, I, I don't think you need to view it as 
this is a big game because at the end of the day, you know, you're just playing another team. And, you know, they may be in the SEC and maybe Auburn. But I think if you if you kind of look at names and fear names because it's, it's a big team, I think that's when you kind of crumble and don't play very well. So I think you're just trying to view it as another, you know, game on the schedule and just go out and play as good as you can. I know I know that's not the answer you wanted to hear, but I really I, that kind of that's exactly how I view it. Mike, I got a, a few more for you here. Let's talk about Western Carolina. I had mentioned earlier, this team's no slouch. <laughs> they do things really well. They're really disciplined football team what have you seen on tape that you're looking to exploit you don't have to give too much up but what are the things that you're excited to get after on Saturday yeah man I mean they're, they're very athletic um they're very athletic and they and they got some really good players and you know I, again not trying to get too much in it but they've got some schemes that are that are pretty good so we just gotta you know I gotta listen to coach Hatcher and just kind of play our game but they're a very talented football team and I think they showed that last year Last one for you. you. You just hinted at it. I wanted to get to it. Your relationship with Coach Hatcher. It's so cool watching some of these broadcasts. It's like a yin and yang thing you guys got going. You know, how's that relationship grown over the years? And it's got to be at its all time high right now in your career at Sanford, right? Yeah, I mean, that's my guy. I absolutely love playing for him. And he's just so fun to be around. I've said this before, but he wants to win more than anyone. But he also understands that in order to get the best out of us, we got to have some fun and, you know, just enjoy yourself because that's the the whole point of playing football in the first place is to have fun and you know when you do that then you end up winning more games right and uh, he just does a really good job at you know setting a culture and kind of making us want to buy into the process but man he's he's so fun to play for i absolutely love it stone lobanowitz being joined by sanford signal caller michael hires the number one rated returning quarterback in the fcs right now sanford has big expectations this year mike good luck saturday september 9 2 30 p.m against western carolina catch it on espn plus mike thanks for joining the show we're rooting for you man thanks for having me it's always a blast You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for Stone Labanowitz and I to take a quick 15-minute tour all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place this week. In Stone, there are quite a few this week. Much better slate of games than we had last week, bro. I mean, so much better, right? We talked about not being able to grade week one. Well, there are some bangers on here, and I'm excited to get into them. Number two, Montana State is at number one, South Dakota State. And Stone, I don't think we're going to see a replay of what we saw in the semifinals last year. I really don't. I think that Montana State is a much better football football team this year. But before I go way out on a limb here, they are missing some key pieces. Running back Lane Sumner, a couple of offensive linemen. They're coming in in week two. You'd think they'd be real healthy, but they had some kind of minor bang-up injuries in camp that guys haven't really gotten back from. Probably see them back next week or the week after. So this is not a full-strength Montana State team coming into Brookings. I think they're going to need to be, but you said earlier the committee's got their eyes all on this one. You are right. It's hard to believe a week two game at a conference can really determine who's going to host that semifinal game. We all know how big home field advantage is in the cold, in the snow, being in your bed, on your field. It's a huge advantage, and this game could go a long way to deciding who's going to get the Frisco. Weird to say that in week two. It is a little weird, but at the same time, this is such 
such a Goliath matchup, Kev. I'm glad that we're going to be there, but I think when you look at Montana State and South Dakota State, the one and the two spot in the entire country, the result of this game is going to supply not only us, but FCS Twitter, FCS Media, with weeks and weeks of content. There are so many household names at this point that are going to be on the field come Saturday that I think you're going to see fireworks. You talk about all the skill players, and of course, I personally start with the quarterbacks, but Tommy Malott and Mark Gronowski, that matchup is going to be one to watch, and I think the Yankee Twins and Isaiah and everything that the Jackrabbits have going. And then we look at the history, right, between these two teams. The past two seasons, the, the battles that they've had in South Dakota State getting the best of them. This is storyline city in week two of FCS football. It does not get much better. It does not get much bigger than this one. It's going to be hard to pick this one because I, for one, know what it's like to have that bad of a taste in your mouth. And for some of these Montana State players who have been on this roster for all of those games, this right here could very well be the biggest game of their careers. So we'll all be eyes peeled on this one. Nobody's going to take their eyes off of it. Like I said, I'm glad they're going to be able to check it out in person because the Dyke House is going to be rocking, Kev. Look, Brent Vegan is obviously a more experienced head coach than Jimmy Rogers is, right? Is there something to be said for youthful exuberance in a matchup like this? Maybe Vegan will be the one who's conservative. Maybe he'll want to play close to the vest. And maybe we'll see the Jackrabbits do what we think the Bobcats are going to do. You know, a couple quarterbacks out there at the same time. Do something weird with the football. Maybe some gadget plays. Or do you just line up and hit each other and what happens, happens. I'd be tempted to try to pull something out here, steal a possession, try to get up by seven points and keep it that way. I really couldn't be the one to tell you which team's going to play more loose out there, Kev. Because when you look back at some of their last results, like it just it changes, right? One team wins, the other team wins. These teams both know each other so well. And you talk about the youth on the side of the Jacks here. I think that means something, right? This is the spot where at home you want to pull out some of those gadget plays early. You want the momentum. You want everybody on the sideline and in the stance energized. But at the same time, you can't really peg this game. This is more so we got to wait and see. Both of these teams are evenly matched. When this line comes out, I'm sure it's going to be pretty close to a pick maybe Jacks by a field goal. But other than that, the matchup on paper is so good. There's so much experience in both of these locker rooms. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to getting to Brookings seeing the football game. I mean, this will be one that a lot of people, I think, are going to claim they were at, even though they weren't, and Stone will be telling the truth. <laughs> yep. Number three, Furman is at the South Carolina Gamecocks of the FBS. Stone, South Carolina has a very bad habit of losing these games to the Palmetto State FCS teams. Just ask the Citadel Bulldogs. They've won two out of the last three over South Carolina. I think Furman will do a lot of things here. I think that we'll see them, first of all, be able to stay on the field with South Carolina speed-wise. Furman has some guys in the secondary who could play anywhere and also run the football and go off play action. South Carolina gave up nine sacks last week. So you know that that's going to be something that they're going to be focusing on. And Clay Hendricks is an offensive lineman by trade. He knows every trick there is for an offensive line to hide weaknesses. So I expect him to diagnose that. I think this is going to be a very, very good football game. And I give Furman a little bit better than a puncher's chance in this one against South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium. Kev, I don't agree with you at all in a spot like this. I don't know who's going to have a longer weekend. Furman? or Kevin Marshall and Stone Lebano is trying to figure out where do we put them on our top 25 poll. Does a big loss to the Gamecocks put them behind 
NDSU. Like, that's what we're going to have to be deciding. It's going to be based off of the result, how well they play, what they put on Tate, what some of the stat sheets look like. I don't really know what to do with this one here because you look at South Carolina, you talked about them not playing up to the, their potential last week. That North Carolina is a good football team. They're going to be contending. They're a top 10 team eventually, and I think that uh, the country knows that. So that UNC-South Carolina game was uh, not a good indicator of what Furman's able to do, I think, in a spot like this. So I'm curious. I did touch on that Furman defense earlier on in the show, and you talk about it all the time. I think this defense has the ability to keep them in this game, cause a few turnovers early in that first half against Spencer Rattler, and yeah, you got yourselves a ball game. But if they don't do that, this is going to be a long day for Furman. Maine is at number four, North Dakota State. Stone the Black Bears. Look, it's been a longer rebuild, I think, than people thought. This was a team that, if it wouldn't have been from having to go from the East Coast to the West Coast, back to the East Coast to the West Coast, it wasn't all that long ago. This was a team that was playing for Frisco. But boy, howdy, have the times changed. Maine is not very good. North Dakota State seems to be looking like the North Dakota State we're all used to seeing. Could be a long day in the Fargo Dome for the Black Bears. Yeah, another opportunity for the Bison to flex their guns a little bit. Cam Miller have another day, buddy. I I, I think this one's a, another good matchup for North Dakota State. They'll find themselves 2-0. and Not much to touch on with Maine. I do appreciate that you said we did think this was going to be a quicker turnaround for the Black Bears, but it hasn't been. I think we can all agree on that. I, I think that's a good point, like I had mentioned. But I think for NDSU, you keep this thing on the ground, and it's a very similar score line as to last week. I think that North Dakota State has so much going for them in the sense of having a chip on your shoulder when you're playing that no matter who steps in front of them, they're going to punish. I like the Bison here. Number five, Idaho is at Nevada of the FBS. Stone, we both picked Incarnate Word to beat Nevada last season. I don't want to hear you pick yet. We still got one more segment to go before we get there, but there's a lot of stuff going on in that Nevada football program off the field. A lot of distractions, a lot of coaches who just like up and resign the week before the first game. This is going to be very, very interesting between Idaho and Nevada. Yeah, if you're Idaho, you follow the same exact blueprint that the Incarnate Word Cardinals did. Like, this same exact blueprint. I I think when you look at Idaho offensively, they're very similar to Incarnate Word. Nevada hasn't changed any of their defense. Uh, Of course, some of the schemes and what they might come out in, but some of those players are still there. The same scheme is still there to a degree, and if you can find the spots and dial up the right plays, you can drop 50 like Incarnate word that Giovanni McCoy and Lindsey Scott are parallel players. They share a lot of similarities. I'm excited for Idaho in this matchup. I think they're excited as well. I think the coach, if you're preaching the right message, is, hey, cut it loose out there. Make mistakes at 100 miles an hour. I think the Vandals have a real, real shot in this one. This behind Montana State and South Dakota State is my favorite game of the week and one that I'll be most closely paying attention to. Well, look, Idaho has a much tougher Big Sky Conference schedule this year than they did last year. If you can steal this FBS game, that gives you a little bit of margin for error Mm -hmm. as far as being a seed if you drop a big sky game to somebody. So this is a huge game for Idaho, not only for just this, you know, a big game beating an FBS opponent for on down the road when it comes time to playoff selection. Number six, Sanford is at Western Carolina in a key early season Southern Conference game. This always happens to uh, somebody in the SOCON who's favored or they're always going to play somebody who they really don't want to play real early in the season when nobody else really in the SOCON's playing conference games. So it's Sanford and Western Carolina's turn to have that this year. I know you spoke to Michael Hires earlier, Sanford's fine quarterback. Western Carolina is a team that is a lot like Sanford in a lot of ways. The defenses are okay, but there's no doubt that they're run by offensive-minded coaches, and they want to go fast, and then faster, and then faster again. So this is going to be a game, I think, Stone, of who can get three stops and get off the field 
and I think we're going to probably see a game here. The winning team's going to score somewhere in the 40s, and I think the losing team is going to score in the 30s. It's going to be a whale of a game, a shootout in Cullowee, North Carolina. I do think there are a lot of points scored in this game. It is the name of the game for the Bulldogs, that up-tempo offense, and God, there's not enough to be said about Michael Hires and what he's been able to do and how he's been able to establish himself in the FCS nation and how everybody perceives him. He legitimately is the best quarterback in the country. But for me, when I look at this game, this is a tough scheduling spot for Western Carolina back-to-back, right? You go from FBS to one of the top teams in the country. We kind of just bounced them right out of that top 25, and this is not going to help them in getting back in. I like the Bulldogs big here. I like hires to fill up the stat sheet. I think they win by a bigger margin than 10 points. I mean, we'll see, but again, Western Carolina, they can get up and down the field. This is a dangerous day dangerous game for Sanford. It's been since 2016 in the SoCon and the Citadel Bulldogs before any team has gone through that league undefeated. It's tough, Stone. Everybody knows each other very well. This could very well be the week Sanford gets picked off. Number seven, Holy Cross is at Boston College. Stone, Boston College is not feeling very good about themselves right now coming off a loss at home to Northern Illinois. Yeah, this is a sneaky one. People pay attention. Holy Cross has such an opportunity here. Again, I always try to gauge some of these FCS, FBS games on if the FCS team can get a few turnovers, generate a few mistakes early on in the game and start putting doubt in the bigger team's mind. I think that's what you have to do if you're Holy Cross. Fly around the ball, punish them. You know Matthew Saluka is going to play clean. You know he's going to come through for Holy Cross. He did it last year against Buffalo. I think they had the same exact opportunity in front of them against Boston College this year. I think this one is one that you should have starred for all the audience out there. Holy Cross has a real shot here, Kev. Number eight, Incarnate Word is at Northern Colorado. Now, I was a victim of my own exuberance last week and in the preseason. I really love Ed Lamb as a football coach. I think he's one of the best ones there is in the country. But I thought that Northern Colorado had a little bit more than they showed at Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian's a pretty good football team, but Northern Colorado should have been able to do a bit more against them than that. So the rebuild is something that's going to take a while for Ed Lamb. I think he knows that. And this Incarnate Word team, look, they need to establish who they are on offense. All the flashy stuff from last season, well, that was last season. Well, Calzada needs to make it his football team. He didn't do that against UTEP. They started out pretty well, but this is an Incarnate Word team that should be putting up 40 on just about everybody. I don't care who you are. And let's see if they can get back to that this week. If they struggle with Northern Colorado and don't put up the points that we're used to seeing, Incarnate Word could be in some trouble, Stone. Yeah, this game's very telling for the future of Incarnate Word. Calzada does have to get it going. I did have that scoreline pegged, UTEP, Incarnate Word, in last week's pick segment. I had it pretty close. I think I had 28-21, and it was 28-14. So, I think we're on the same page. We do understand what's at stake for Incarnate Word. We kind of have them at that eight spot, just not knowing. It's kind of like the unknown. We weren't able to move them outside of the top 10 because they lost to an FBS UTEP. But if you struggle against this Northern Colorado team, yeah, we're going to bounce you out. I think that's what's going to happen here. But Calzada's got to step up for Incarnate Word, and we got to get back on this train. Calzada's got to force us to. Walford is at number nine, William & Mary. William & Mary handled Campbell last week in a pretty good ball game on a Thursday night. They ran the football extremely effective. Walford did not look good against FBS Pittsburgh. This is not a good matchup for Walford. No, it's not. The Tribe should roll here. Not much to be said on my end. I like William & Mary. It's a top 10 team in the country. I think they understand they need to be Walford and they're going to do so handily. Lindenwood is at number 10, SEMO. 
This one is, talk about a contrast of, you know, weak stone. Simo got shut out by Kansas, and Lindenwood put up 77 points on Wisconsin Stevens Point. I have a hard enough time keeping track of what it is my job to keep track of, which is FCS football, but I've heard of Wisconsin Stevens Point, and they play pretty good football there, don't they, Stone? Uh, Generally? Um, I couldn't tell you. Kev, they got the doors blown off them last week, and I had to turn it off after one or two drives, uh, so no, I can't really answer that question. I didn't know much about them. Okay, well, 77 points versus no points. <laughs> Who knows what's happening this week in Cape Girardeau, Missouri? I got no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, you shouldn't, right? I, I, you were so confident in the SEMO team last week that it weirded me out. You talked about, well, they got the better quarterback and they got Geno Hess. I like him in a spot. Wrong. They didn't even they, they didn't even score a single point. I had no faith in them. And I do like the SEMO team, but yeah, bad matchup against Kansas. I do think they take a little bit of that anger out on Lindenwood. I think it's more so a, a matchup nightmare on paper for Lindenwood. I like SEMO in the spot. Number 12, Weber State is at number 25, Northern Iowa. Nobody likes to go and play at Northern Iowa. For me, this is the third best game on the slate, right? You have Montana State, South Dakota State. You have Idaho and Nevada. For me, this comes in right at number three, Weber State, UNI. Now, these teams may not know each other all that well, but FCS Nation, the audience, everybody who follows the sport knows that this one is a banger, not only on paper, it's going to be good on television. I can't wait to pay attention to this one. I think UNI, I give them the edge in this spot, right? The better quarterback, but Weber State's obviously no slouch. Number 12 on our top 25 poll. I think this one's contrary contrasting style, right? One of those matchups where you have to pay close attention to. I love this one. Number three on my list. Number 15, New Hampshire is at Central Michigan of the FBS. Is this the one, Stone? It's the one. It is the one. They can win this game. UNH can win this game. For all those big money bettors, I'm sure we're going to see like a 14-point spread here. This team's going to be like plus three, four, five hundred. I like UNH here a lot. They're raw, they're talented, and they're dangerous in the skill position. Max Brosen was a stud, our National Offensive Player of the Week. I think this might be the one. UNH might get it done here. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Boy, am I excited for this one. Week run around FCS Nation was fruitful, but week two is going to be even better. Earlier in the show, I spoke with the number one rated quarterback in the country of the Sanford Bulldogs, Mr. Michael Hires, but that was just a warm up. If you heard us during last week's episode, we announced a partnership between us, FCS Nation, and Northwestern Mutual. It means a lot to Kevin and I, and I think it's going to mean a lot to everybody in the audience as well, no matter where you are and which school you support. There's so much in store, so please, folks, buckle up. And joining me now to help break it all down is Liz Scott, co-executive director of Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation, and Chris Schenkel, managing partner of Northwestern Mutual, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is dedicated to raising money for cancer research, and throughout its year, starting in 2005, has raised millions of dollars and has changed thousands of families' lives across the country. Liz, you are the mother of Alex Scott, your daughter, the princess warrior who tragically passed away in 2004 at the age of eight, who started this foundation and is the founder still. This was all her idea, all her idea. Talk to us a little bit about how all of this got started and how it's still going strong today. I would love to. First of all, thank you uh, for hosting me. And of course, thanks to Northwestern Mutual for just being fantastic partners all the time. Um, Alex was just an infant. She was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, which is a pediatric cancer, and she lived the rest of her life fighting her cancer until she died at the age of eight and a half. So by the time she was four, all of the known cures had 
failed her. And we went down the road of brand new treatments, as we told her, got her excited about, you know, going to a new hospital, trying something different, it might actually work. And it worked really well for her for a long time. And it inspired her, even though she was only four, to do something to help other kids just the way she had been helped. And I guess because she was four, and she was pretty independent minded, she decided she could do a lemonade stand. And she could give the money to her doctors instead of keeping it so they could help kids like her. And that's truly how it began in our front yard with, you know, four-year-old Alex uh, just handing out cups of lemonade to anybody who wanted to support. That is, it's, it's insane. And it's a, a concept. I think a lot of kids, especially at that age, try to accomplish something. If Alex were to know how big it's actually gotten, I think she'd be mind blown. I think everybody else, honestly, would be very proud. And alongside Liz is Mr. Chris Shankle representing Northwestern Mutual. Of course, Chris resides in Sioux Falls, like I mentioned, the hotbed of FCS football right now with the Jackrabbits and the South Dakota Coyotes. He wears those hats proudly. Chris, you're tied into FCS more than anybody that I know, besides Kevin, more than anybody that I know. And Lord knows, like I had mentioned, you're in the hotbed right now. So not hard to find some of the best ball in the FCS. Chris, talk to me about how FCS football in Northwest and mutual tie into each other. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a little bit of the hotbed and very exciting. When SDSU and USD made the jump into Division One and FCS, uh, just propelled or propelled everything into uh, just everybody around here into chasing the playoffs, chasing that national championship, uh, really driving that, and it just created a lot of fans. And uh, it's obviously grown. SDSU's chased it down finally, and uh, it's brought a lot of attention and a lot of attention to the FCS. The tie with Northwestern Mutual, uh, we really wanted to tie with FCS Nation. We wanted to tie with FCS fans, FCS players, and actually interns of ours that are FCS players and student athletes, uh, which goes a long ways. And we get to create a lot of impact. And we've been partnering with a lot of colleges across the country uh, with a top internship, uh, which has created a lot of opportunity within the FCS world. And uh, it's very, very exciting. Hey, you talk about the FCS world, I think one of the coolest things with our partnership, all three of us, is just how deep the FCS family truly is. Throughout the season, we're going to be joined by managing partners from all different branches around the country and to preview some of the biggest games of the season, as well as being joined by some of those teams' biggest stars to help promote their games and everything that they'll be doing for Alex's Lemonade Stand and Northwestern Mutual. But with that being said, Chris, talk a little bit about how big this project is to us and how many schools are actually going to be involved. Yeah, so uh, we have eight managing partners uh, that are all friends from around the country. And uh, we're all working tightly with uh, different schools amongst FCS uh, and some of those schools. So we have 12, actually all the schools we partnered with or uh, student athletes. Uh, we have a dozen schools out there around the country. So I'll rattle them off real quick. Sac State, Southeast Louisiana State, Eastern Washington, Idaho, Bryant, Holy Cross, South Dakota State, University of South Dakota, North Dakota State, uh, University of North Dakota, Illinois State, and St. Thomas. It just shows you that we're covering the entire country. Uh, we're really partnering with the student athletes uh, to help fight childhood cancer. And it's extremely exciting. Our managing partners are excited to work with the student athletes. A lot of them we already know. Uh, so it's just going to be an amazing partnership. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the events we've already had. Liz, each week this season, we're going to be bringing on athletes from all over the FCS to help finish what Alex started promoting and raising money for cancer research. Did you ever think this foundation would trickle over to collegiate sports? 
Alex? And if so, how proud would Alex be about all of that? I definitely couldn't have imagined what would come from her lemonade stand. She set up that first stand. I think I told her she was going to raise five or $10. She raised $2,000 the first day. In her life, she raised a million dollars. And still, after she passed away, I thought it would be very hard to continue. So to be here talking about, you know, $250 million raised, partners like Northwestern Mutual raising money, college players getting in on it, you know, 20 years, almost 20 years after she passed away is not something I could have ever imagined, but I'm extremely grateful for it. Talk a little bit about in those early stages when it kind of clicked with you guys, like, okay, Alex actually started something so national where we can raise amounts of money, like millions upon millions of dollars. When did it click for you guys? I think there was a couple points. Um, It clicked towards the end of her life. She set a goal of raising a million dollars. That was one moment where we realized she has really created something that people want to be a part of, right? That's why we call it a movement. Just phenomenal stuff, guys. Hey, keep an eye on our social media. FCS Nation audiences will be promoting which athletes and which managing partners will be joining our show each week, all through the power of Northwestern Mutual and Alex's Lemonade Stand. But from all of this, one of the main goals is to raise as much money as we possibly can for Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. Liz, let the people in on where they can donate and most importantly, how to get involved. So you can donate to our website, alexslemonade.org. But I know we're going to have an effort set up here with this whole partnership. FCSNationRadio.com, where we have our own Alex's Lemonade Stand Hub, where if you were to click on it, it takes you right to the donation stable. Okay, right. So you can find it either way. If you want to get involved, you come to our website. There's many ways. You can have a Lemonade Stand, the tried and true. We do have a, a champions program, which was actually created by a football player. And hundreds of students each year participate in that. So that's another way that football fans, football players everywhere can participate. You can dedicate your season, you know, for every point or a lot of them are kickers who do it. Um, kind of any, any accomplishment you can track and people can pledge. And that's a really fun way to do it. So we have many ways people can get involved. Most important is to do something. And that's what Alex taught us. Again, alexslemonade.org and alexslemonade.org slash contribute. I cannot thank you guys enough for joining the show this week. Like I said, this is the first of many. And folks, keep an eye on our social media. Like like I had already mentioned, we're going to be promoting which athletes, which managing partners are going to be joining us. Liz, Chris Shankle, thank you guys so much for your contributions. And again, this partnership is just getting started. Thank you. Thank you. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for my favorite time of the week. The pick segment where Stone Lebanowitz and I pick the biggest games taking place all over FCS football. Up first, number two, Montana State is at number one, South Dakota State. Much to be said about this matchup here. I'm very curious to where you lean here, but I lean the side of the Jacks. I think they get this one done late. I think it comes down to the final possession, maybe the last five, six minutes of the ball game. But I think the Jackrabbits come on top of this one, 31-27. Huge game in week two, y'all. Could very well determine who hosts a semifinal in December. I believe the South Dakota State Jackrabbits are the best football team in this country, and they're at home, and they'll prove it. Take South Dakota State over Montana State, 31-27. Number three, Furman, is at the South Carolina Gamecocks of the FBS. 
It's going to be a long day for Furman, and I love Furman. And I know you love Furman. They're your favorite team in the entire country, Kev. So this is going to be a long day for your boys. Give me the Gamecocks. Give me Shane Beamer, 52-20 over the Paladins. This is going to be a close ball game, Stone. I know that you're trying to just dig at me a little bit, you know, saying how much I love Furman. They're your favorite team, Kev. What are you talking about? You told me at the they beginning are. of the season that yes. you wear purple every day, that your coffee's purple, you, you dye your water purple, you shower with purple shampoo. This is your favorite team in the country. What do you mean I'm joking? Moving right along, Furman will give them all they want, and they'll give the Gamecocks a whole lot more than they want. The Paladins will just get worn out late in the fourth quarter. Take South Carolina over the number three Furman Paladins, 38-28. Maine is at number four, North Dakota State. Long day for the Black Bears. The Bison roll in this one, 40-13. I think we're going to keep seeing this NDSU team play with a chip on their shoulder. I touched on it a few segments ago, but I think they know the perception that people have of them this season and their main goal without saying it publicly is to prove everybody wrong and it's even odd me saying that that NDSU has to prove somebody wrong with all of that they've done but I think in a spot like this you just keep pounding teams week one week two and you get the season started off 2-0 the Black Bears they'll hang around for a while y'all but the buys an O-line and a raucous Fargo Dome crowd first time a lot of those fans will see their buys in this season will be way too much here take number four North Dakota State at home over Maine 31-10 number five Idaho is at Nevada of the FBS. Let's do it. Let's do it. I hope you're picking this one with me, Kev. I got the Vandals. Give me Giovanni McCoy to take down Nevada. It's going to be a pretty cool storyline, right? You're going to see Incarnate Word and you're going to see Giovanni McCoy, right? And maybe they follow the same path when it comes to the Walter Payton Award. I'm excited to find out what they have in store for us. And this is where it starts for Idaho. This is where your season starts. This is where you put yourself on the map right now. Love it. Love it. Love it. Give me the Idaho Vandals 38-35 over FBS Nevada. Lots of turmoil in the Nevada program and the Wolfpack are coming off just getting whipped by Southern Cal. Just whipped. They gave up 66 points, Stone. Yikes. The Vandals looked outstanding last week. Vandals get it done in my upset special of the week. Take Idaho over FBS Nevada 42-38. Number six, Samford is at Western Carolina. I like this one for Samford. I told you they were going to win by double digits in our preview segment. I got them beating Western Carolina 42-30. to I'm trusting your word that Western Carolina, the Cats, can at least put up 30 in this game. A high-scoring affair. Michael Hires and that Bulldog squad and that up-tempo offense are going to put up 42. A very interesting early season SoCon matchup. We discussed that in the preview segment. And like I said, both of these teams like to go fast on offense. But only one of them has Michael Hires at quarterback, and he'll make all the difference. Take number six, Sanford on the road in Cullowee, North Carolina, over Western Carolina, 42-38. Number seven, Holy Cross is at Boston College of the FBS. This one's interesting. I, I talked about how much of a chance they have, and you agreed that this one's a sneaky matchup, but I think Boston College gets this one done. I got 38-28 over Holy Cross, but I think at halftime, this score line's either tied or Holy Cross has a lead. I can just feel it. Boston College is reeling. Coming off a loss at home to Northern Illinois, who plays Southern Illinois today. If Holy Cross can start fast, this whole thing just could snowball for Boston College. They might quit if Holy Cross can get up three touchdowns. It's hard to pick against Holy Cross here and quarterback Matthew Saluka, but that's just what I'm going to do. And I can usually talk myself into anything, but I can't talk myself into Holy Cross beating Boston College. Take BC over number seven, Holy Cross, 31-27. Number eight, Incarnate Word, is at Northern Colorado. This is the game for the cards, right? They need to get it done. Calzado needs to show us what he's made of and that that transfer is well worth it for the Word. I think they do beat Northern Colorado in a spot like this, but not by much. I got them 33-27. The Word this week? 
week is redemption. After losing to FBS UTEP last week, Incarnate Word takes it out on Northern Colorado. Number eight, Incarnate Word wins 41-17. Lindenwood is at number 10, SEMO. SEMO's going to get this one done. They're the better team. Act like it. SEMO, 40-17. Number 11, North Carolina Central is at North Carolina A&T. I hate to predict this one being close, but I truly do think that's how it ends up. I got the Eagles and Trey Oliver and his squad coming out of this one 30-28 over A&T, but this one's going to be uncomfortably close for North Carolina Central. I would tend to agree with you, but Davius Richard is him. Take number 11, North Carolina Central, on the road over North Carolina A&T, 34-17. Number 12, Weber State is at number 25, Northern Iowa. I think Theo Day has a day here, Kev. I think they beat Weber State in a really good football game, 35-30. to Neither team looked especially great last week, but Weber State let Central Washington hang around a lot longer than they should have. If Northern Iowa wants to win this football game, newsflash, kick the ball out of bounds. <laughs> Do not let Abraham Williams beat you. All that guy does is return kicks for touchdowns. Let him start at the 30, 35, wherever. Do not kick the ball to that guy. I don't believe they will. And I think Northern Iowa, that's a tough place to play in that dome and weird things happen. Take number 25, Northern Iowa over number 12, Weber State, 31 to 30. Northern Arizona is at number 13, North Dakota. Give me North Dakota, 21-20 in a sweater here. Better quarterback belongs to North Dakota, Tommy Schuster. Take North Dakota over Northern Arizona, 30 to 17. Texas A&M Commerce is at number 14, Sacramento State. Hey, Sac State, you're the better team. Show us that. 45-21 over Commerce. The Hornets roll here. Number 14, Sacramento State, 42. Texas A&M Commerce, 13. Number 15, New Hampshire at Central Michigan of the FBS. I can't wait to hear what you think, Stone. Drum roll, please. Here we go. Here we go. I got the Wildcats in this one. This is my upset special of the week. I'm rocking with Max and the gang. I love what they have going offensively. You'll see Max go under center. You'll see him go out of the pistol. I think this is this is set up beautifully for UNH. They're sitting in the blind spot. This is an awesome matchup on paper. I like them in this spot. They're going to score a lot of points. 38-33. They get it done over Central Michigan. Max Brosmer is the more experienced quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But I kind of made that same analogy last week. Did work out real well. I've learned my lesson. Take Central Michigan over New Hampshire, 35 to 31. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Levanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. like to invite all of y'all right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And like always do y'all, we like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long everybody. <laughs>